Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, December the 12th, 2022. It is currently 1.25 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, it's Monday, so it's a new week of Bible study for the Bible study exercise. It's a new week, but we're still working on the same theme, the same topic, and that is the theme, the topic, the subject of fear. We've looked at some very important passages of Scripture. The Psalm 33 Scripture, that, that, that section of Psalm 33, I cannot even begin to explain to you how important that was. And then last week, we worked on Romans chapter 8. Once again, I cannot express to you how important that was. Our work on Romans 8 and our work on Psalm 33. I don't, I don't care what else you get from this study. If you did not really understand the significance of those two sections of scripture and all of the discussion and all of the study and all of the, the work we did on those two sections of scripture, then, then sadly, well, I, I failed you because I did not help you see the importance of them. I did not express the importance of it enough. I did not articulate it well enough. I did not teach it well enough. I, d- I don't know what else to say. Please go back, look at the curriculum for the uh, on the study of fear, uh, what it had to say in regards to Psalm 33 and Romans 8. Now that may, they may go in a different direction than I took those two, uh, two sections of scripture, but it will definitely supplement it. And maybe by looking at what they had to say, maybe it will just turn on the light, spark something in your mind going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think these two chapters are very important to the subject of fear. So please consider both of them carefully. Now, it's a new week. We've moved past Psalm 33. We've moved past Romans chapter 8. And we have a new section of scripture looking at us. If you've looked at the curriculum, you know what we're getting ready to look at. And I, I cannot speak for you. I'm a little worried and I'm a little concerned. Because this week, the text of scripture you need to be looking at, working on, studying, considering, and in light of the subject of fear is 1 John chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, and 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. At the very least, you already know what I'm going to tell you. I need you to start reading that section of scripture over and 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 over again. Live with it, breathe it in, feed upon it, drink it in. Whatever words you want to use, become acquainted with 1 John chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. 1 John chapter 4. 14 through 18, that is the text of Scripture. That is the passages of Scripture the curriculum presents to us for this week of study as we continue to try to understand a biblical, a biblical view on fear. And I hope, and you remember you're working on your thematic method. You have your six questions. I hope people are still working on that. I hope it's they're accomplishing something. Um, again, if you have any problems, difficulties, struggles, disagreements, irritations, 
whatever it may be, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and I will see what I can do. All right, now, all right, so obviously 1 John 3, 13 through 18, 1 John chapter 4, 14 through 18. Read, 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 read. All right, now, I cannot speak for anyone else, but when we're studying the subject of fear, <laughs> the absolute last place, I think. All right, good. Someone said they're still working. They're making progress. That's a very good thing. All right, so that, that's awesome. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. All right, but here we go. I want you to listen to me. I cannot speak for anyone else, but if I'm getting ready to study the subject of fear and I'm struggling to understand a biblical viewpoint of it and making sure that I, I understand it correctly, the last place I want to look, at least in my flesh, at least in my flesh, is the book of 1 John. Because I would argue that the way 1 John has been taught, the way it has been preached, is it has inflicted more fear, more concern, more doubt, more discouragement, more depression than maybe any other book in the entire Bible. Because if you've ever sat in church for any length of time and the pastor is saying, we're going to start a series on 1 John, you know what's coming, ladies and gentlemen. What's coming is, first of all, should be the most frightening thing anyone in the church has ever heard. However, for some weird reason, everyone sits in the pew going, amen, 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 amen. Like, like, the, the, that they're not concerned in, in any way, shape, or form, which I'm always completely confused by. Let me explain. 99.9% .9 of churches, and I think that's a pretty accurate percentage, will open their Bibles and tell you, turn to 1 John, we're going to begin a series in 1 John, and what we're going to do is we're going to test to see who is actually saved. And then they begin to give you all the tests of 1 John. Here's test number one, test number two, test number three, test number four, test number five. And when you're finally done with the book, they then you can answer, I know that I'm saved. <laughs> but if anyone sitting in the pew, I don't know, had even the slightest concern with honesty, they would be like, uh, wait a minute. No one in this church passes this test. The pastor doesn't pass this test. No one passed these tests. But for some weird reason, it, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know even understand how people think. I don't know how they can look at that and go, amen. I, I, I remember I, I reviewed for our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And I need to uh, add the rest of the sermons to that series for the Church One app. But yeah, I'm always so, so far behind on so many things to do. But um, in that series, I, I, if you remember correctly, how utterly shocked, amazed, frustrated, and confused I was by that church. Because I'm like, here's this pastor telling you, look, if you don't obey the Sermon on the Mount, you, look, your proof of salvation, your proof that your repentance was genuine is your obedience to the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're not obeying the Sermon on the Mount, your repentance is not genuine. Your salvation is fraudulent. Your salvation is fake. And I'm like, well, if, if, if anyone looks at the Sermon on the Mount, everyone in the church should be like, woe is me. I'm undone. Everyone should have been running to the altar. I'm unsaved. I'm unsaved. I'm unsaved because no one obeys the sermon on the Mount. It says things like, be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. You don't accomplish that. 
But it pre- he preached the Sermon on the Mount at this church that, again, that we were reviewing the sermons of that, hey, how do you know you're saved? You obey the Sermon on the Mount. How do you know your repentance is genuine? You obey the Sermon on the Mount. And then everyone in the church was sitting there going, amen, amen. And I'm like, everyone should have been, you know, running to the altar going, well, then no one is saved. But yet, it doesn't seem to bother Christians. They pull out First John. It's a test book. And everybody's like, amen, it's a test book. Test my faith. And it's like, well, you, you realize if you test it, you, you you fall short. But nobody seems to have a problem. I, 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 I like either, either I just don't know any saved people, all right? Or all the saved people are the ones who go to these churches and uh, I, I just need to go to that church to meet some saved people. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. But it being a test book is terrifying. It's fear inducing because immediately once you realize you're not saved, well, that, that's, 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 that's not good. So, and not only that, it would raise questions about how you're saved in, but we won't go there. We won't go into all of that. Listen to our series on law and gospel. So to tell you that I'm a little bit fascinated that this week's passage of scripture is 1 John would be an understatement. To tell you that I'm a little bit concerned would be an understatement. But here's what I have done, or this is what I haven't done. I made a choice to not read the passage yet. I made a choice to not read it. I knew what it was. I knew where it was going, but I made the choice to not read it. I have not read it yet. Now, of course, I've read 1 John, the book, multiple, multiple, multiple times, taking courses on 1 John, all the different things I've done, Bible college, seminary. Okay, we won't go through all of that, but I am very aware of the passage of scripture, but I have not read it yet because I wanted to read it in real time with you today for this Bible study exercise, introducing us to a new week of Bible study. All right, now please remember, if you need access to the curriculum, just email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I'll send you a link. I definitely want you to look at the curriculum at some point, but right now, I just, all I really want you to do for the first couple of days is just read 1 John 3, 13 through 18, 1 John 4, 14 through 18, over and over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to reach over. I'm going to pick up my Bible. It's a brand new Bible. It's a brand new Bible, all right? I always buy a new Bible at the end of a year. Always do. I like the physical one, but we'll we'll talk about that in a podcast episode. All right, here we go. First John chapter 3 verse 13. Oh, I am I'm a little bit nervous, but here we go. First John chapter 3 verse 13. 1 John 3, I'm making sure I'm reading it correctly. 1 John 3, 13 through 18. Here we go. It begins with these words, marvel not. 1 John 3, 13, marvel not. Marvel not. I'm going to grab this other Bible that I have here. I'm going to see how they translate this. I got multiple Bibles here. 1 John chapter 3, they approach it this way, 1 John chapter 3, verse 13. Do not be surprised. So marvel not. Do not be surprised. Do not be shocked. Do not be dismayed. All right, 1 John chapter 3, verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. All right, so, hey, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked if we see that the world hates us. We shouldn't be surprised about it. We shouldn't be uh, shocked. We shouldn't be like confused or bewildered. Uh, no, we should just like, hey, this, this, this is. We were told this is what could possibly happen, and that it this will happen. 
All right, so do not be uh, surprised. Do not be shocked. Do not be marveled if the world hates you. Verse 14, 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Oh, here we go. Here we, I don't, I don't know how this is supposed to be helping us with fear right now. I I'm already scared to death. Are you scared to death? Are you, are you scared to death? I'm scared to death. Did you hear what that just said? Let me read this again. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now that's preached in churches all over the place. And, in, and, and it's preached in, in a very direct way. Like, here's the test. How do you know you're saved? You love the brethren. And if you don't love the brethren, then you're not saved. Well, which means then you can never truly know you're saved because you have to get to the end of your life, then look back over the entire course of your life to go, well, did I really love the brethren? Did I really love the brethren? Because if I didn't love the brethren, and how much love it must be there. Now, typically, God's standard for love would be a perfect love, an exact love, an entire love, a perpetual love. See, this connects very much to our series on law and gospel. So then, how would you judge it? Some would say, well, it has to meet the 1 Corinthians 13 standard. Well, when, whatever standard it has to meet, you're not going to meet it. I'm sorry, you're never going to love your brother in the way you're supposed to. So that means you abide in, as it says in the King James, you abide in death. Well, that that's... That's a little concerning. What does this have to do with fear? I don't know. Let's go to verse four. Uh, let's go to verse fifteen. First John chapter three, verse fifteen. Whosoever hateth his, his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Oh, that's that's not good. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. So I mean, you, there, you're many people sitting in your church, sitting in your uh, home. Maybe the one sitting there listening to me. Many of you are murderers. I know I've been a murderer a couple of times, uh, probably a lot of times, maybe maybe more times than I would like to admit or count, because all I have to do is if I hate my brother, I'm a murderer. I don't know. Are, are you feeling a little fearful? I'm fearing, I, I am fearful because I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't love my brother the way I'm supposed to. I've clearly murdered some people because all I have to do is hate them. Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm probably not saved. And again, if this is the test to prove your salvation, you cannot know you're saved until you reach the end of your life because you have to look back your life to go, did I truly love the brethren? Did I, did I murder? How many people did I murder? Verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God. Well, wait, wait, what? What just happened? What? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now that seems like a bizarre verse. Right in the middle of these like strong words, like if you if you don't love your brother, you you're, you're you're abide in death. If you if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Right in the middle of those strong words, then all of a sudden we ha- we read this: hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby we perceive the, the word of God. I'm going to read it from again another translation. This is a very this is a fascinating. It, it just seems so out of place that all of a sudden. Right in the midst of that, he would drop that. Let's, let's read it this way, right? Here we go. 
This is how we have come to know love. This is how we've come to know love. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, who just changed the topic on me? I'm still trying to figure out how, how that I, uh, that I'm abiding in death and I'm a murderer. I'm still trying to process that reality. And it all of a sudden it's like, Hey, this is how we know the love of God. Wait, what? So is it, is it, how do we understand the love of God? Is it us understanding that we're murderers and that we abide in death? Or is it something different? Well, let's, let's see how it reads here. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have, have need and sheddeth up bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, I don't know exactly why they want us to look at this as far as fear is concerned, right? I mean, I've, I've got lots of questions here, right? How do we understand this? I do think it's fascinating. So just consider this. I'm supposed to love my brother, and if I don't, I abide in death. If I hate my brother, I'm a murderer. And in contrast to that, and what I think it is, I think that's the reality. That's what we are. But in contrast to that, he points us out, but here's how we know the love of God. Because what? God showed his love in a completely different way. He laid down his life for us. That's showing love, right? And we, and he, not only did he lay down his life, it shows love. It shows that he did not hate his brethren, even though that they were sinners, he died for them. So that's so... How do we, how does this relate to fear? Fear is that we don't meet the standard. Fear is replaced by confidence in what Christ has done for us. Christ is not a murderer. Christ loves the brethren. And in Christ, I love the brethren and I'm not a murderer. In, in the flesh, I am. Now, should we pursue loving our brother? Yes. Should we pursue not hating? Yes. We should pursue that. We should pursue that, but we all fall short. That is interesting passage here. So 1 John 3, 1 John 3, 13 through 18, then they want us to jump to chapter 4, uh, chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and they want us to look at verse 14. Then they want us to, uh, they want us to read 1 John 4, 14 through 18. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we, we, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath, hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Wow, this is... It's just crazy that this passage is here. 
like in some ways you the curriculum separates these and I, and I think there, there's a reason they're trying to contrast this because it, it seems like here's what should cause fear. You don't love your brother. You abide in death. You hate your brother. You're a murderer. And, and the murderer does not have eternal life. So immediately you're like, woe is me. I'm done. But right in the middle of that, it's like, hey, 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 here's how we know the love of God. How do we know the love of God? He sent his son to lay down his life for us. See, that's true love. See, that is not hate. All right, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, then we go to 1 John chapter 4, and then look at this. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. It's reverting right back to what's talked about in chapter 3. Hey, God sent his Son to be the Savior. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Once again, our, our connection to the right kind of love, our connection to not hating is found in God because God is love, and we are in him, and he is in us by faith. Right? Next verse. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How can I have boldness in the day of judgment if my entire salvation is considered fraudulent, if I don't love someone the right way, and if I hate someone? There's no boldness in judgment, but there is boldness in judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, what some people would say, hey, you can have boldness in the day of judgment because you live as Christ in this world, meaning the only way you can have boldness is you've got to live just like Jesus did. Well, I'm sorry, you're never going to pull that off. But I am as Jesus in my position because of his imputed righteousness. And then it looks, look at this, verse 18, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Now, here's the thing. Some people will make this a requirement as well. You know why? You, here's, here's how you don't have, here's how to get rid of fear is you need to have perfect love. If you have perfect love, you won't fear. If your love is imperfect, you will fear. So there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Is it my love that cast out fear or is it God's love for me that cast out fear? I think that's a, I think that's a good question. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. I, I will throw out a hypothesis. Remember, Bible study exercise. I try not to do all of the teaching. I'm going to put forth the hypothesis. Perfect love cast out fear, and the perfect love is seen in God sending his son and his son dying for us. There is perfect love. And in that perfect love, cast out fear. And the fear that it cast out is the fear of judgment. It's the fear of condemnation. It's the fear of being... Uh, abiding in death or not possessing eternal life. And that fear goes away in Christ because it's his perfect love and his perfect love is shown in his actions and God sending his son, his son taking upon human flesh and dying and suffering for us. So the perfect love, the perfect love is the love of Christ for us. And that drives out fear. 
That's my hypothesis. Now, Bible study exercise. Remember, I'm not supposed to work it all out, especially on a Monday. On a Monday, I'm just supposed to introduce this. This is just introduction. This is introduction. So how do you understand 1 John 3, 13 through, I believe, 18, and 1 John 4, 14 through 18? Those are the passages of Scripture that I want you to read and read and read and read and read this week. Oh, I want to say so much more. I do. I do. I do. I do. I'm telling you, 1 John is such a difficult, a difficult work, a difficult book. It really is. Because the test, if you go with the test theory, you're, go, you're going to, you're just going to, you're going to prove that you're not saved. Um, I think, again, first and foremost, we need to understand First John is a polemic against Gnosticism. All right, that's, that's the first thing. And Gnosticism would lead you to, you, you don't have to love anyone, right? You don't have to love them. I mean, their, their fleshly existence doesn't mean anything. I mean, it gets into the whole concept of about basically Gnosticism being a loveless religion, a loveless faith. In other words, you're demonstrating you're following after the Gnostics if you do not have love. And so therefore, the counteract you going against the Gnosticism, then you have to show forth love. So, and, and that way it's an argument against Gnosticism. But let's just remember, we're, we're going to fall short of the biblical mandate to love. So our only hope is in Christ. And it's just interesting, in both sections, it comes up. 1 John 3, let me read it to you again. Uh, hereby, First uh, John three sixteen. hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. 1 John chapter 4, and then we go to uh, verse 14. As we have seen and do testify, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And then verse... Uh, and then we have this idea in verse uh, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. That perfect love has to be the love of God and the love of, of Christ that cast out fear. All right. Oh, I want to say so much more, but that's the whole point of the Bible study exercise, right? I'm just to hand it to you. All I'm supposed to do on Monday, usually I do this on a Sunday afternoon, but all I do on a Monday is I'm like, here you go. Here's what you're supposed to work on this week. Go work on it, right? Let the conversations begin. Let the struggles begin. Let the questions begin. All right, I can't wait to get everyone's thoughts and opinions on it, all right? You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to have to drag myself away from the microphone. I'm going to have to literally just reach up and grab my shirt and just just pull myself away from the microphone because I feel like I can't I can't leave it this way. I can't. I can't. I mean, come on. You didn't you didn't really resolve anything, but I'm not supposed to here. Right? So we got a lot of things to work on this week, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Today we're going to be working on we got to work on the whole uh you know uh hindering the presence of God. We got to get back to that cuz that fits with everything else we're doing. We're, we we have to and we have a good conversation going on in the Discord channel in regards to this idea of spiritual growth. So we're going to probably review the audio I played for the today's focus podcast episode today. So we'll work on that. Um 
we've we've got some other series that we have to work on. We, obviously, we're still working on law and gospel. We have, we have a lot of different things going on, but we'll, we're going to try to focus in today. I don't know. And we got this Bible study exercise. We have a lot to do today. We'll just take it slow and see how many things we can get accomplished. I don't know how many we can. And uh, we have the rest of this week and we'll see what we can do. Right? We, we, we're going to see by the end of this week how many things we can accomplish and finish. But I feel a new series is coming on about spiritual growth <laughs> on top of all the other series. But we'll see. We'll see if we can finish the uh, Practice the Presence of God series by looking at that uh, article on hindering the presence of God. Let's see if we can finish that up. We'll see. But we can't, we can't ignore 1 John either this week. So much going on. But we will work on everything. So I'll be back here after I get some lunch. After I have a little bit of food, then I'll be back and we'll see what we can work on. Email me in the meantime, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Let the 1 John 3, 1 John 4 discussions begin right now. And you can do so in the Discord channel or email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great day. God bless.